Welcome, everybody, to our experience, the ASCP podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Wears, alongside my hosting partner, Tom Hansel. And today, we're going to talk about vaccines. So the public, the government, and nursing homes all asked pharmacists to vaccinate during the pandemic. In some cases, I was on phone calls where the nursing home industry said, we can't do this. Pharmacy and pharmacists have to do this for us. Flexibilities were granted on a national scale to clear the path for pharmacists to vaccinate and vaccinate they did. Now, as the pandemic comes to a close, the opportunity exists for a better way forward. We're very pleased to have with us one of the leaders, innovators in vaccinations for pharmacy, and it's Chad Kodiak of Kodakare Pharmacy in Illinois. Welcome to the show, Chad. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. So, I mean, just to kick it off, like going back, you know, we don't like to spend too much time in the pandemic. I think it gives a lot of pharmacists PTSD. But one of the things I find compelling about this in particular is forever. I graduated as a pharmacist in 96 with my BS and 98 with my PharmD. And we were talking about wanting to be providers and having provider status and wanting to do things more than just dispensing products. Obviously, in the, in the past 25 years, we, we've moved a little bit, but we haven't gotten provider status. So this drops during the pandemic. And in my mind, this is provider status, kind of not exactly what we want, but it's the foot in the door of provider status. And we can get back to that. But just give us a, give us a, a description of, of who you are, how you got here, and the role you played in the pandemic. Sure. Happy to. So Chad Kodiak, I also got my doctorate of pharmacy around that same time. So 1999 from Purdue University. I am the CEO and owner of Kodo Care Pharmacy. So we're a long-term care pharmacy in Joliet, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. We provide prescriptions throughout Illinois, mostly in northern central Illinois. However, our vaccine services are throughout the state of Illinois. So pre-pandemic, we had been very involved in vaccines, both administering them and providing them and just being vaccine advocates before pharmacists were even asked to be advocates. I personally prefer prevention. So I've dedicated my career to prevention. So whether that's our MedSync program, our compliance packaging, uh, nearest and dearest to my heart is vaccines. So when the COVID-19 vaccine came out, we weren't one of the ones that were scrambling. We were one of the ones that was ready. We were ready to do this. And so what we had already been doing, we were able to just enhance and make it better and do more and more of it. And uh, it's been great. It's been wonderful. So I think one of the hardest things from our perspective, obviously we played, ASC played a role in bridging government agency to pharmacists on the ground, particularly long-term care pharmacies who prior to this had not been involved in vaccines other than being maybe a supplier of vaccine product to nursing homes. So this ushered in a whole new experience, one that you probably had some experience in the community setting prior, as a lot of pharmacies have had experience. But when when you talk about sort of leading somebody to water or getting them to think of vaccines, not only from a, we need to do this for the good of the public, but this can actually be a revenue stream. This can actually be something that enhances our business. Where did you see that and how did you amplify that? Yeah, so it's interesting to bring up that supplier part of this because I think that's important. So we had played the role of supplier as well as administrator. But what we learned as a supplier was, as most pharmacies know, is how do you play the purchasing game, right? 
So how do you figure out, are you buying this from your wholesaler? Do you use your GPO? Can you do direct? Which we were shocked to find out that when it comes to the vaccine world, it's still a little bit of the wild, wild west. It's still a little bit of the way that my dad and his contemporaries talk about the way pharmacy used to be, meaning reps would come in and call on you directly and know your account intimately and be able to find out like what you're using and how many more do you need? And by the way, we're running this promotion. And if you do this, we can do that. And we can work with your payment terms and things like that. So pre-pandemic, we had been purchasing vaccines at that level. So we were able to buy vaccines directly from manufacturers, which was great because when you talk about money and you talk about finance, to buy it at best, to buy it at a price that basically is the best you can find. When it comes to then billing for it, when we were able to start billing for it and billing insurance, that margin, that spread was better, right? It was better than us just going to our wholesaler and saying, oh, hey, when you bring our furosemite, can you also throw a couple of flu shots in there, right? So we were able to do better on that delta there. That was sort of the easy part, if you will. The challenging part was and still is every single year figuring out the reimbursement game on the injection fee. So almost every insurance company will pay us for the administration of the vaccine. How they want us to bill for that is unique for every single insurance company. So we start, we'll actually be starting next month running sort of trial claims to figure out what code are we putting where for which insurance company. What dollar amount can we put in there? So similar to when you're doing claim, you submit AWP because you know that most everyone's going to pay AWP minus. It's the same thing with the injection fee. We want to figure out what is the biggest amount that we can submit that will exceed any amount that any other insurance company is paying. So for instance, if we can get you know $25 administration fee, we want to make sure we're submitting at least $40 to every single insurance company so that no one's going to be paying us less than whatever the most would be paying us. So... The two games on the on the payment side are the purchasing and then the injection slash administration fee. And are those things billed together? Like, do you submit a claim? Yes. Together? So if it, yes. So good question. So if it's a PBM, so if we're a, if we're able to bill the vaccine to the PBM or Medicare Part D, then the amount for the drug and the amount for the injection fee go through on the same claim, and then we receive the payment back for both. If it's a Medicare. A or B, then those are separate. So then we would bill for the drug itself or the vaccine in this case, and then we would bill for the administration and they would get billed separate and then they get paid separate as well. Nice. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, what, where does Medicare play a role here? Are they, do you bill almost exclusively to commercial PBMs or med advantage PBMs or can you also bill to Medicare? <laughs> so we can, we can bill to everyone. We, well, how's the expression go, Chad? A, a bird in the hands or two in the bush? So yeah. we start with the PBM because if we can get that real-time adjudication, if we can see that payment in real time and be assured that, yes, we are, in fact, going to get paid and know how much we're going to get paid, that's our preference. Oftentimes, that PBM will send back a reject and say, this needs to be billed to Medicare. It forces our hand and we do have to bill Medicare. So we will, but we start with the PBM because... As the reimbursement and the payment requirements are changing and increasing, more and more of them are paying for it. And so we would rather do that sort of immediate claim to the PBM. If they don't, then we submit it to Medicare. Your question, though, is what role does Medicare play? Well, Medicare drives everything, right? So Medicare right now saying that this is an initiative that we are behind, that we are supporting, that we are paying for. 
is somewhat forcing all the other insurance companies to say, well, we have to as well. Because the last thing you want is Medicare to say they do it, and then you're the insurance company that says they don't. So Medicare is a huge driving force behind this. And what I like about Medicare is Medicare seems to be one of the ones that understands that there is a health part of this and there's a pharmacy part of this, and they are combined. And so Medicare understands, well, hey, if we can pay for this preventative measure, we're going to save money on the health side where the PBMs, their left hand still doesn't seem to know what the right hand is doing. And so the PBMs get their little nugget of money and they're going to protect it as much as they can. And that makes it hard because they don't want to pay for these vaccines. Whereas the health plan knows, yeah, but if you do, it's going to actually save us in the long term. So there's still, there's still a disconnect there that makes, it, that makes it challenging. But Medicare is driving that in the right direction currently. So Chad, let me um, switch a little gears here, here on you and talk about how to get out and how to communicate to your community, to nursing homes. You mentioned that you you go across the state. You don't just, I've been to your pharmacy. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderfully clean, well-ran pharmacy. I, I really commend you on, on how structured and organized, organized it was. But I know that you, you have a walk-up clinic part where people get vaccinations, but you're not just appealing to the Juliet community. You're really doing vaccinations all across the state. Can you talk a little bit about how you were able to, to sell, educate, and market your services to multiple different different communities. Sure. Thank you for the kind words. So a, a couple of things happened. So the first thing we found out is, is unlike in long-term care pharmacy, going and trying to sell pharmacy services, where sometimes you get doors slammed in your face or all of a sudden the person you need to talk to is mysteriously not there that day, talking to people about vaccines opens up all kinds of doors. So calling and saying, hey, we want to talk to you about your vaccine services, calling a assisted living facility or an independent senior living facility or a school or a business, we have found that we are often met with reception as opposed to restriction. And so it started off with our own facilities, of course, right? And so we started vaccinating them and putting together full vaccine programs. And I want to just pause here for one second, and hopefully everyone is noting that I'm using the word vaccine and I'm not using the word flu. Because I think one of the things that we had to transition to is we're not calling to talk to you about your flu vaccine. We're talking to, calling to talk to you about vaccines. And so we run vaccine clinics. We don't run flu clinics. Because when we're there, we're going to vaccinate as many people with as many vaccines as we can, not just one shot. We have found it to be incredibly inefficient to show up and give one vaccine only to get a call the next week to be like, oh, and we have a bunch of patients needed a pneumonia shot or needed a shingle vaccine. Well, we're already there, right? We already did all this. So we use the term vaccine clinic in our pharmacy. So yes, so we call, we work with our own facilities. Through our own facilities, we do get some word of mouth, but then we also find out like, oh, there's these other places we can call, we can reach out to them. And so we do a lot of outbound initiation on our vaccine clinics. The other thing that worked really well for us is we had a long-term care pharmacy that we know that we worked with over the years, just as as friends and as, as as partners, that when the vaccine clinics come around, it's a challenge for them to do some of this. And so they liked working with us because we're not their competition, right? We are friends, right? We're co-independent pharmacies out there doing our job. So we're going to go in and do their vaccine clinics. And then we're going to walk out and talk about how great the pharmacy they work with is, is at their prescriptions. And so we distinguish between the two. Yep, we're here to do your vaccines and you've got a great pharmacy that's doing your prescriptions. And that helped us as well because they already had all of the main phone numbers. They had all the main contacts. They even reached out to them ahead of time and said, hey, Codo Care is going to be reaching out to you and helping you with your vaccine clinics. 
And so we were able to kind of grow and expand that way, which just kind of flies in the face of how you would think about it because you think like, why would your competition you know, even do this? But for them, it was a win-win because they're like, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't done the training. We haven't done... You know, We're not signed up in Illinois. You have to be signed up with the IIS system. And so since we already had that in place, they looked at the numbers real quick and they're like, this would actually be more efficient for us to outsource it to another pharmacy yeah. that we know and trust. And so that's how we grew as well. Now, can you imagine that? I want to, I want to talk about that point because I think that's the point of hesitation. I think there were a number of pharmacies that were hesitant because they've never done it before, but how do you turn an industry and a profession onto the fact that, you know, you've been basically dropped this responsibility and this is an opportunity for you to capitalize on extending the scope of your practice and being responsible for something that is as impactful as vaccines for people to the point that like if you had your own facilities, I'm sure you wouldn't outsource it because you've already sort of conquered the procedure to do it. But how do other pharmacies see it to the point that they're like, yeah, I should be doing this? Like, do they have to see other pharmacies like you and, and go, wow, they're killing it at this business. We should be doing that. Or how does, how do you see it evolving? Well, I think that the thing to add on to that real quick is it seems like pharmacists don't want to do it. Some of them, they, some pharmacists don't want to touch patients and they don't, they want to take on that, that role. And so where is that difference or that gap, as Chad was saying, between the pharmacists like yourselves who are going out, taking a lead on this? Versus the other pharmacies that are, are trying to even even avoid it. So my dad told me once that most people become a pharmacist because they don't want to go to school as long as it takes to be a physician, and they don't like blood and guts, so they don't want to be a nurse. Mm. <laughs> so give me my little white pills, and I'll be just fine, right? And so for a, a certain generation of pharmacists, the idea of, as you said, Tom, touching somebody. And especially touching them with a needle is just flies in the face of the reason they went into this profession. So I think we have to acknowledge and recognize that. However, for a certain generation of pharmacists, this is taught in school and not like, hey, we're going to give you a day on vaccines. This is, you're going to be certified. Like most graduates at most schools now are coming out vaccine certified. They've already stuck it in an orange. They've probably stuck it in a few arms. And so for anybody that has, either a new grad and or is looking to hire new pharmacists, it doesn't have to be you. Just because you're saying your pharmacy is going to do this doesn't mean you have to be the one who actually does it. And so I think the easiest way to start this is, is go to the people in your business or that you're about to hire and say, hey, here's what we want to do. What do you think? And for that generation that just recently graduated, they're like, yeah, this is what we were trained to do. The same way that when Chad and I were in pharmacy school, they trained us how to counsel patients. Like we actually had a little script that we followed, like what to ask them. Did the doctor right. tell you what this is for, right? So it'd be like asking Chad and I like, hey, can you help us counsel patients? Yeah, of course we can, right? That's what we we're trained to do. So all of those pharmacists now are trained to do this. And so that's the easiest first place to start. The other thing that's really cool is, is Illinois and several other states now allow certified pharmacy tax to give vaccines. So when you talk about provider status, for me, what provider status means is I don't have to work under somebody else. Because we were talking about this the other day. What's the difference between what I'm doing now and what I was doing under a CPA? Well, when I was under a CPA, when I was under a collaborative practice agreement, I needed somebody to tell me it was okay for me to do what I'm doing. Now I get to decide this is okay for me to do this. And I can have people doing this under my license. 
So I'm now the one saying, yes, I essentially have a CPA with my text, right? I'm essentially telling them like, I'm going to train you. I'm going to show you how to do this. And you're going to do this. So if I'm one of those pharmacists who still doesn't want to touch a needle and still doesn't want to have to do it, fine. Right. And the cool thing about a lot of our taxes is some of them are like, this is exactly what I want. I want direct patient care. We have a lot of pharmacy techs who are going to nursing school, who were MAs and, you know, didn't want to change bedpan. So they came over to pharmacy. Right. And so for them, this is super exciting because this is right in their sweet spot of what they like to do. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you said it that way, because I think that's one of the things that, you know, I try to communicate. It's the responsibility of vaccination. That's the provider status, the, the ability to be responsible for acquiring it, storing it, handling it, delivering it, administering it, reporting it to the state IAS system. That's a responsibility. That's something that you could foresee becoming value-based care in some capacity down the road as we kind of evolve in terms of our payment systems. And that doesn't mean that I have to do all those things. I just have to be responsible for all those things. I could contract with the nurse at the nursing home to administer the vaccine, but I'm responsible for the rest of the, the path. I could use a consultant pharmacist to administer the vaccine at the, the facility and, and pay them to do the injection, but I still am responsible for making sure we collect the information. I'm, I'm responsible to make sure I look at the patient and say, hey, I looked at your profile and these are the vaccines you're missing or this one is the one that's due right now. That's the provider piece. And I think people aren't quite seeing that yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to change gears a little bit and ask you what other roadblocks we talked about. Obviously, some challenges of, of getting pharmacists to want to do this. And, and you know, as Chad just laid out, there's, it's not just administering the vaccines, but there's all kinds of different, different areas. What other things do you think are roadblocks or preventatives to keeping pharmacists from doing this, actively going out and doing this? Because I think we've all on the same mindset that we don't just want pharmacists and long-term care pharmacies to do this as a good idea for revenue. We want long-term care pharmacies to do this and establish because we want to continue proving to CMS and to the government that we are providers and that we can do well beyond this. To me, and, and I know Chad shares the same thought process, this is just the beginning of provider status for us. For us. So we want to really influence America to push in this area and be known as the vaccination experts in our communities. So what other roadblocks can we identify and, and remove to get more pharmacists to do this? There's actually two questions in there you're asking. So I'm going to answer both of them. I'm going to start with the roadblocks. So the roadblocks are real. I think we have to acknowledge that there are roadblocks. However, all of them can be scaled. Every one of these roadblocks can be scaled. So some of the roadblocks just off the top of my head is you have to be a certified immunizer or you have to have a certified immunizer on your staff. So one of the things that we've talked about is there's a lot of consultant pharmacists. This is going to be a challenge for them as well, right? Because a lot of you talk about like, oh, I don't want to touch a patient. Well, if you're used to sitting in your house reviewing charts, like this is not just seeing a patient, but actually giving a vaccine. Uh, So you you have to become certified. You have to become a certified immunizer, right? Or you have to have somebody on your staff that is. That's, That's the first one. After that, then most states require you to be registered with their IIF system, an immunization information system sometimes referred to as a registry. And so what that means is everything you do, you have to make sure you're reporting that back to the system. Depending on the state, the level of how difficult that is varies. But for most, it's a form and a waiting game, right? So you fill out the form, you send it in, and then you wait until you hear you're approved. The next hurdle would probably be on the billing side. Since we're talking about long-term care, we're talking about consultant pharmacy, we're talking about definitely there's some Medicare involved. So since Medicare is involved, 
Medicare has their own billing. So they call it a mass immunizer. It's an 855S form that you have to fill out. Any of you that have filled out a Medicare form, you know that it is a lot of boxes and every single one has to be perfect. So you fill out that form, cross your fingers, you filled it out perfectly. Otherwise, they send it back and say, hey, you missed this spot or that was an I and it should have been a T. Send it back in. Once you're signed up as a mass immunizer, you've now got your certified immunizer. You now have got your registry access and you now have got your ability to bill. You're ready to move forward. So at that point, you're ready to go. The, the easiest hurdle is the product. So I started off talking about the product because it's fun to talk about the money. Because a lot of times when I do these programs, I can't talk about money. But with ASCP, I do have that freedom. So you know, of course, it'd be great to set up a direct contract. If it's your first time, just buy a box from the closest place that you can. Right? Find your wholesaler, call the pharmacy down the street, and say, "Hey, I need a box of vaccine. I want to start giving them." So now you've got your product, and now you're ready to go. Right? So now you can start administering it. You can start billing for it. And then those first couple ones, you're going to want to watch real closely to make sure you're putting all the codes in and you're doing everything correctly. The second thing in there that you asked, Tom, that I think we got to remember is this is not the provider status any of us wanted, right? This is not the provider status that we thought we were working towards, right? There is way more that we can do with what we know. We've talked about heart and how we got involved and we've worked with INRs and we've worked with diabetes and there's so much more that we can do. We didn't ask for this one but it doesn't matter. It's here. And so this is what we've got. And if we don't do it, no problem. Somebody else will. So if we don't do this, if we don't vaccinate, somebody else will. Nurses will figure it out. Physical therapists will figure it out. Dentists can vaccinate. So if we're not the ones who do this, somebody else will. And then what? Then what happens when the cardiac opportunity comes along or when the diabetes opportunity comes along? They'll remember that, well, we asked the pharmacist to help out with vaccines and they couldn't really figure it out. So we might not have wanted this, but we got it. And no matter how hard it seems, at the end of the day, it's about one time per year. It's roughly in the fall. And for most patients, it's one or two times, right? Because you're giving one vaccine, you got to give another vaccine annually. The other vaccines are kind of one per lifetime. So it's not like we're talking about 12 prescriptions every month right? It's a once it's up and running, it's a very, very manageable thing. And I can tell you on my team, it's not managed by me or a pharmacist. Mm. It is a perfect thing to be managed by a pharmacy technician. Mm. Great. Well, I think it's interesting. So, you know, my past life as a consultant pharmacist, and maybe this is just how I was built, but, you know, you were, you were living off contracts with nursing facilities or with pharmacies to do the monthly drug regimen review at the nursing home or the assisted living facility. So you were paid, you know, X amount of dollars per person to do work on a monthly basis. If somebody would have come along and said, if you're a certified immunizer, you know, if you would have come along, Chad, and said, hey, we do vaccine clinics and those are great. And we come into the facility and we vaccinate as many people as possible. But invariably over the next 11 months out of the year, there's going to be two or three people that need something. New admission Every month. So we'll ship the vaccines and identify, you know, who you need to give vaccines to. So when you're there this month on Wednesday, you can give these five vaccines and we'll pay you X amount of dollars of vaccine to, in, to inject it and communicate back to us the information on how it went. Like I would have done that in a second. I would do that in a second. <laughs> right. What's, what's stopping anybody from doing that? It, I don't, I don't see any barriers that stop that. I know we have a 1135 waiver issue, which basically means that CMS is saying pharmacists cannot roster bill Medicare for vaccines for Part A patients in nursing homes, which is 
you know, anywhere from 10 to 25% of the residents of the nursing home are in their part A stay. But it sounds like the rest, the other 75 to 90% are custodial patients in a nursing home. That is their quote unquote home. They have part B. You could be going in and doing that on a mass vaccination clinic day. And then you could also be doing that routinely by coordinating with somebody at that facility to do it ongoing. There's nothing that stops you from doing that right now, currently. Yeah, you guys keep asking different versions of the same question. And it's, it, yeah. it, it's, it, it's why, don't, why aren't more people doing this? And unfortunately, I feel like it's the same question of why are people resistant? Why are patients resistant to getting a vaccine? Like, it's multifactored, right? So there's a lot of things that go into this. I think the work that you guys are doing, especially ASCP, to just expose people to what it takes to do this helps. Cause it's yeah. new and it's scary and I don't know what it means. I don't, you know, do I have to have a, a, do I have to have a pharmacy that's been in business for 50 years and a staff of 40 people? No, you, you don't. Right. I mean, when we started doing this, it was, you know, four or five people and we just, right. we just started with the people that are right in front of us. And then we went to our own, you know, facilities and we vaccinated them. So you can start with whatever the reasons why are very, I can tell you my own journey was, you know, cause I was not trained how to vaccinate in pharmacy school. And so the idea of putting a needle in an arm was very scary. And my biggest concern was I didn't want to hurt anybody, right? I, I'm a pharmacist. I make people feel better. I don't hurt them, right? And so that was a big concern to me. And I will never forget <laughs> Dolores, this 90-year-old woman with an arm that was about as big as my finger. And I put her flu shot in and I hit her bone. And I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, I just did that. And I looked at her and she did nothing. like. She didn't feel any nerves in her bones, right? So you hit the bone, they don't feel it. Scared the crap out of me, right? And so I pulled the needle back out and, you know, she was on her way. But I, I think for me, I just had to start doing it. And I had to have some of these things that were scaring me happen. And then when they did, realize like, okay, I'm still fine and they're still fine. And so let's just keep on going. And I used every resource I had, right? So again, we have a tech who's an MA. The MA has given way more vaccines than I have at this stage in my career back then. And so I just said, how do you do this? And I had her train me, right? Even though I went through the APHA certification and I was a certified immunizer, I was like, I still only put it in an orange, right? I still don't exactly know. And so, you know, I just got as much information as I could on how to do this. And then we had to kind of go through some of the bumps and bruises along the way. Let's talk about the opposite. I mean, you had a passion and a drive. Something caused you to really say this is important and you're thankful you did because you made this decision to offer this to your communities well before COVID hit. And then you were one of the first ones that they, the state called when, when COVID did hit and you took advantage of that opportunity in, in, in a smart way. But let's talk about the benefit sides, the benefits that you've experienced. And I know you wouldn't reverse it and go back. If you had to do it all over again, you would do the same thing. So let's talk about if you're in a different state, to say, here's the positives that we've gotten from this that you should be able to get from this for your pharmacies. So it's a long list in no particular order after the first one. The first one is money. So it is a money-making opportunity for us. So we give vaccines. If I walk into a building and I vaccinate, we, we have found our minimum is 10. So as long as we're giving more than 10 vaccines, and notice again, I didn't say patients. I said 10 vaccines. So if I've got five people that are getting two vaccines each, that's 10 vaccines. If I'm giving 10 vaccines, pretty much no matter where I'm going, that is a benefit to me. We are, that is enough for us to make money on that opportunity. So that's number one. Number two, as a long-term care pharmacy, my own facilities, my own communities 
yeah, I see them usually around the holidays when I bring them a gift or check in with them. Sometimes around Nurses Week if we're able to coordinate something. But I am in front of them during the vaccine clinics. They see me. They see my staff, right? So as difficult as it is sometimes to be a closed-door long-term care pharmacy when you're arm's length away from your DOS and from your patients, and all you ever get is the email that say, like, what happened? How come this happened? Instead, you're right there with them and you're shoulder to shoulder with them. And that's invaluable, Tom. Mm. Like, that's invaluable for them to see us there, to see the Kodo Care logo on the scrubs, to see my staff and team come in, especially when we rock it, right? And then they walk out with that good feeling. And so then if, you know, God forbid, there's a, a drug shortage and they don't get a delivery and they're mad at us because we're the pharmacy, they have that goodwill that we built up during those clinics. So that that's a big one as well. I also forgot about how much it means to my staff to go and see these patients, right? Because as much as it's hard for us to be a part as nurses and pharmacists, like it's also hard for our techs to tie together what they're doing every single day when it's all the way on the other side of the state, right? When it goes in a car and it gets delivered. And, and so for my staff to be able to go and have this person-to-person contact is, is huge as well. That's good. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you have opportunities where technicians can grow and they can get out of the pharmacy with, that really didn't exist before something like this. So that's great. So I'm going to pivot a second and talk. I'm wearing my USA Boxing shirt I just got from the U.S. Amateur event in Lubbock, Texas. We have secured a grant with USA Boxing to do vaccine clinics at their major regional and national boxing events. And it's, it's something that most people stop and say, all right, help me figure out how this happened. <laughs> and it, it happened just like that. They came up to us after a policy meeting here in D.C. and said, we think we want to partner with you to do vaccine clinics at our major boxing events. And I said, OK, help me understand how pharmacies that work with older adults <laughs> is the partner for you to do this. And they did a great job of talking about their community, generally black and Hispanic community. The parents and grandparents come to the events. The officials are older. The referees are older. The staff that comes are are not necessarily young people. Some of the athletes obviously are. But they said they just felt like this is a, a population that has a tight community. They need to be able to see people that they trust and listen to people that can talk about vaccines and that they think that that means that they'll be more apt to get one. So we went to an event in Philadelphia. I mean, the way they spoke it is the way I felt it. Just being in Lubbock at the second one, same experience. I mean, this is a a group of people that is very tight, sort of familial kind of group, and they just need people to talk to and that they feel like they can trust. So we have this opportunity and we're going to share this opportunity, obviously, with our members. The The bright side about this is that we're funded to be able to reimburse pharmacies for doing the clinics. They can still bill for the vaccines. Our money, you know, for the grant can't pay for vaccines, but it can pay for everything else. So it's almost like a risk-free opportunity to set up a vaccine clinic and do it. And the overriding benefit is you get the PR associated with being part of you know, the U.S. Women's Championship boxing event in Toledo, Ohio, or whatever the boxing event that they're having that might have anywhere from 500 to 4,000 people attending and get that out into the public. Who are these pharmacists? What do they do? They're vaccinating. I trust them. Who are these companies? And you really get the opportunity to affiliate yourself with, you know, a major sport a sport that we generally are patriotic around, especially during the Olympics. And this is an Olympic qualifying year. So 
we get to say things like we're an official partner of USA Boxing uh, as they approach the Paris Olympics in 2024. Cool. So I know, Chad, you're, you've been in and out of conversations with us and you're certainly participating in some of these events. But what would you share about this opportunity? How you view the opportunity? Oh, I mean... It's incredible. And Chad, I know how hard you've worked on this and congratulations on all the progress that you've made. I think you undersold one little sentence in there. You're talking about grant, you're talking about payment. I want everybody on this podcast to hear what Chad just said. They are recognizing our value and are putting money behind it and saying, we are going to pay you to administer this service. I'm going to say it one more time. We are going to pay you to administer this service. I haven't heard that in my whole career. I've been asked to do things for free. I've been asked to do things because I'm a pharmacist. I'm asked to do things because that's just what you do, right? So this is a game changer. And the reason it's a game changer is because as soon as they see the value, then we go to others and say, look, here is what we did. And this is what we should get paid for our service. And that might sound little to some of you on this call. This is enormous. And so kudos to you, Chad and ASCP. So my response is, Let's go. I can't wait. Like, I think this is such a cool idea. I think it's so great that the, the patients are there, right? So much of the challenge of our job, I made it sound kind of rosy when I described it in the beginning, is just getting the people to be there, even in the nursing home sometimes, right? When they're out on a family visit or they're in the hospital or whatever. So to, to know that everyone that we're going to be doing this for is already going to be there and to know that it's in and then out, right? That there's not this follow-up and tracking people down. Like, and for those of you that have done this, you know that these are real pain points that I'm talking about. For those of you who have it, know that this is a real opportunity to do this in a way that it probably won't go this smooth other times. But what a great way to start doing it if you're starting it for the first time. So I'm super excited. I think it's a great, great opportunity. Yeah. And, and one of the things you said earlier that I think was important too, calling it a vaccination program or a vaccine program that you do is that this, this opportunity is about flu and it's about COVID, but it's really about all vaccines. Like, Whatever you're in the scope of practice of your jurisdiction, pharmacies are allowed to do at these clinics, they can do. They could, they could give pneumococcal vaccines. They could give other vaccines. RSV is probably going to be something that we're doing in the fall. Those can be given at these clinics too. And again, you get to bill for those and you get reimbursed for standing up the clinic from the grant. So it's kind of a relatively risk-free opportunity. Yeah, and many of that's not related on the PBM, not dependent upon the PBM right. as far as billing opportunities. So, Chad, what's next? You, you've done a great job here. What's you guys' future and focus? Our future and our focus is on a couple of things. So the first is we have a philosophy in our pharmacy. It's called the butts in the chair. So if we have somebody who's asking us for a vaccine, we want to find out what other vaccines are they eligible for. So we want it to get to the point where we are never giving anybody just one vaccine because with the new vaccines on the market, with the current, we currently have two vaccines that you're probably going to be getting annually between flu and COVID, that there is always something somebody else probably needs. And so we're trying to change our mindset that we are never giving a vaccine, that we are going to be giving vaccines. And that sounds kind of simple, but it really is a mind shift because we're telling the patient something different than what they told us. And as pharmacists, we're not used to that, right? Ask a physician, they'll say, oh yeah, no problem. I always tell my patients what I want them to do or what I'm going to do. And for us, it's a little bit different. Our new horizon is, is how do we change our mind shift to, we are telling you what you're eligible for and recommended for, and we are going to give it to you. 
And so we've been working with the words opt out as opposed to opt in. So an opt in program is, is do you want your flu shot today? An opt out program is I'm going to give you your flu and your pneumonia today. And until they tell me no, that's what I'm going to do. I am their trusted healthcare professional. I have all of the research. I have their vaccine history. I know that this is what they're eligible for. And so I'm going to administer these two vaccines today. So that's number one. Number two is, is how do we get beyond the long-term care space? How do we get beyond our facilities and our communities? And where we're looking next is how do we get to the large corporate companies that are now interested in wellness, that are now interested in prevention, that now understand how damaging it is when your workforce is out for five to seven days because of, of a restriction, right? right? Mm-hmm. So how do we get to them and say, hey, here's what we can do. We can show up at your, at your business. So I remember we did a clinic at WeatherTech. So WeatherTech's a large manufacturing company here just outside of Chicago. It's about 20 minutes down the road. We went into their warehouse with their gigantic machines that they're making these floor mats with and all of their employees lined up and we vaccinated them. <laughs> it wasn't too different than doing a long-term care cool. facility, except in this case, they walked. So it was even <laughs> easier, right? They had to walk up to us, we had to vaccinate them and they walked away. So our next push is, is how do we reach out to those large employers? And it can be small as well. It's just, again, there's that number where you kind of got to have enough to make it worth it. How do we reach out to those large employers and say, hey, look, we can do this as well? Because... As you know, pharmacists vaccinate. Pharmacies are how you go to when you need vaccines. So we're trying to use that wonderful PR that we got over the last couple of years and transition that into beyond our current customer base. Well, this is awesome. I I mean, I just want to thank you for being such a great pharmacist and somebody that other pharmacies and pharmacists can look up to and learn from. And I appreciate your generosity with your time and your experience. I look forward to working with you on these boxing events. It's going to be really a lot of fun. And to use an old, you know, old war terminology, to the victor goes the spoils of war. And the spoils of war for you, Mr. Kodiak. (laughs) Well, thank you, Chad and Tom. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for doing this, you guys. You've been out front on all of this, and it's wonderful. And I I still got to go back to that podcast that you guys did in the beginning of the pandemic when we were told that CVS and Walgreens were going to vaccinate all of our long-term care facilities. And you and Arnie immediately said, okay, then our job is education and support. This is what we got to do. We have to support the profession of pharmacy. We have to say that we are pharmacists as well. And even if we're not the ones giving the vaccines, and then lo and behold, when they needed our help, they came to us and we were ready. So thank you for everything you've been doing for us. Absolutely. All right, everybody. It's a wrap. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the next version of our experience. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Chad. Thanks. Thanks.